Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Our Bible is often very confusing to read. How do we read it? What is the difference between the various translations and why are they important? Understanding how to read Scripture will allow the Word of God to speak to our lives. In this week's Message of the Week, we continue our fall sermon series, Back to the Basics, where we revisit the basics of faith. This week, we hear from Pastor Bryce Blank, who shares from Romans 15 and highlights the hope found in Scripture. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. please pray with me. Wonderful God, we ask that in this space and in this place, you would speak to us today and that we might have open minds and open hearts to hear what you are saying to us and that we might in turn feel moved to respond to you, to be your light, to be your presence in the world. In this we pray. Amen. So today, we're going to continue in our Back to the Basics series that we started at kickoff last week, where we look at the foundations of our faith and our practices. And so our scripture today comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to read it from my Bible here. This is the Bible that I use most often. And I invite you to open up your Pew Bible or your Bible app and use whatever version you feel most comfortable with. And if not, I also invite you to follow along with me on the screen. Romans 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verse 1. We who are powerful need to be patient with the weakness of those who don't have power and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good in order to build them up. Christ didn't please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. May the God of of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other, similar to Christ Jesus' attitude. That way, you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, together with one voice. Amen. So last week, Pastor Jen got us started looking at Scripture. And she lifted up the two different creation accounts we find in Genesis, and she addressed the question of why the Bible is important. And so today we're going to continue with some of those basic but hard questions to answer. We're going to continue that conversation. How do we read scripture? What is it that we are reading when we engage with the Bible? What are the differences between the various translations that we read and why are they important? Well, to illustrate a little bit of this, first I want to share an example of something that recently happened. So recently, the world of sports got a lesson on grammar and context. Because a few months ago, in the National Football League, the New York Jets signed the Super Bowl winning quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, to their team. 
And this was like one of the biggest moves that a team could really make in the offseason. And if you don't follow the NFL or sports, know that the Jets haven't been good for a very long time. So this was like the best thing that could happen to them. And Aaron Rodgers became a New York Jet and basically was like the savior for their team. And other teams around the NFL kind of groaned at the idea of him going to the Jets because they did have a few good players. And really, everyone in sports was looking forward in anticipation to, could Aaron Rodgers go to this bad team and turn them around and make them a Super Bowl contender? Well, all the hype built up and built up to the first game of the season. It happened on a Monday night. Uh, September 11th is what it ended up being. And so to honor the events that happened that day and those who lost their lives on September 11th as a symbol of hope for both America, but also for the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers ran out of the tunnel into the stadium that was dark, only lit by those cool green lights you can see in the picture, holding the American flag, which was a pretty cool moment. It was, it was very fitting for the moment. But unfortunately, three plays later at the start of the game, Aaron Rodgers suffered a season-ending injury. And sports fans all over were devastated. Players were devastated by the look of shock on the New York Jets' faces. They were devastated as well as their hopes and dreams for the season. And Aaron Rodgers, of course, we all felt for him because he went through a lot to be on this team and nobody wants to suffer an injury in the first game of the season. And so many players across the NFL took to the social media platform Twitter to share their condolences and express how they were impacted by this uh, event that happened and this injury to Aaron Rodgers. And one of them was Super Bowl winning quarterback Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he tweeted out, hate that man, praying for the best. Now, who those who didn't know the context of the situation read that tweet and thought, Patrick Mahomes took this opportunity to just tweet out that he hates Aaron Rodgers, right? Not, not good. And you know how sports news goes. As soon as somebody catches a hold of it, that thing blew up really fast. And all of a sudden, everybody was having headlines out that Patrick Mahomes hates Aaron Rodgers. But those who knew the context knew that that wasn't the case. And so Patrick Mahomes, he had to retweet. He had to put this out again. And he put that little comma in there. Hate that comma, man. Praying for the best. Those who knew the context knew that he didn't hate Patrick Mahomes, but now he had to make sure that everybody knew he was hating the fact that Aaron Rodgers was injured. We hate that for him, right? Praying for the best. Context and how we read something matters. And that is especially true. That's especially true when it comes to reading the Bible. Because often, as Lori and Sandy said in our children's message today, the Bible is very confusing it's hard to read, and often we question, what is it that is in front of me on the page? We might ask ourselves, I don't know how to do this. How do we read Scripture? Well, to start, we must understand what we are reading. And I'm going to offer up three different things that I think are helpful in terms of context for understanding Scripture. And that is translation, genre, and situation or history. These three areas of context are extremely helpful when we are trying to step into and engage with the Bible. So first, we have to understand that what we are reading, that is, the English that we are reading, is a translation. 
because the Bible in its original form was, at least the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew, which is sometimes why we hear that referred to as the Hebrew Bible. And the New Testament was written in Greek because that's what was used at that time. And it wasn't late until later, until almost a thousand years later in 1382, that the Old Testament was translated to Greek, and those two versions were put together to become what is known as the Septuagint. And that common Greek Bible was then able to be translated to other languages like English. And it wasn't until 1611 that we finally got the King James Version, which was most commonly known to the people of that day because it spoke to them in the language that they used. Now, obviously, for us today, it's kind of funny to hear that the King James Version was the most accessible version because that's not the language that we speak today either. Most common English translations uh, are a lot different. They try to translate words to speak to us today. And so we're gonna, I picked one verse from our scripture today, Romans 15, verse 4, for us to look at and compare the different translations that are most commonly known so that we can see the difference in what it really, what the difference is between translations. So first we'll look at the King James Version, and I invite you to follow along with me on the screen. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Right? A few words in there we don't really use. The sentence structure and the phrasing isn't quite comfortable for us to read. Now let's look at the New International Version, one of the most commonly, most popular used Bibles translations today. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. A little bit different, right? Kind of understand what it's saying a little bit better. Phrasing, emphasis, put in different parts. Now let's look at the common English Bible version, which is the one that I read from today. It's just the one that's from my Bible and I'm more, most comfortable with, so it's what I generally use when preaching. Here's what that says. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures. Again, the ideas are almost flipped around in the order which they're presented, but we kind of understand. We understand that they're, they're similar but different. And the last, the last translation I want to lift up is from the message translation. And this one is going to be a lot different than what we've already read. Way different than that King James Version. It says, even if it was written in scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm, personal counsel in scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our dependently steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you, so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Clearly a different translation, right? Way different. Some translations are a word for word from the Greek, which is why they feel a little awkward sometimes, because they're literally taking a language that isn't in the same uh, way that we speak and translating it word for word. Some translations are paraphrase the idea of what is being said, like the Message Bible, and we're, are more concerned about the content than the word-for-word -word translation. Most Bibles, like the New Living Translation that I think is in our pews, the Common English Bible, the New International Version, which we read, all of those ones are kind of a bit of both. They try to offer a word-for-word -word translation to be accurate to the text, but also they phrase things out so that it's more accessible to what we are used, the way we are used to speaking, what we might understand 
the best. The important thing is that when engaging with Scripture, we pick a translation that we feel we are comfortable with. They're not all going to be clear as day all the time, right? That's why we all have confusion sometimes. But pick one that you're at least comfortable with and then stick with that one. I only use the common English Bible because that's the the translation that was included in this Bible that was given to me before seminary. And I've used it enough that I'm comfortable with that and I understand it a little bit more because I'm used to that language. So pick a translation and stick with it. I would also like to note that the exercise we just did, reading scripture in multiple translations is also very helpful. One, because it allows us to see words and emphasis and phrases that we might not have picked up before, but also it allows us to make sure that we're sticking or understanding the basic point that is being made in whatever we are reading, whatever passage we're reading. So, okay, we have translation, now genre. We know that we can't just pick up the Bible and read it through like any novel, right? Because it is mixed up and full of a lot of different genres of literature. And so it's important for us to know what it is we're reading before we dive into it. So I'm going to lift up just some of the main genres that we find in Scripture. The first being historical narrative. That's uh, one that we find when we read Genesis, most of the Old Testament. And that's kind of literature that lifts up how God has interacted with God's people throughout history. Now, the next you might find is wisdom literature, which consists of reflections and insights into what it means to be human. What is wisdom literature you'll find in books like Job or Ecclesiastes or Proverbs. And uh, you can tell that it's just a little bit different style of writing. Next, the book of Psalms is a great example of prayer, song, and uh, poetry literature. And so you can kind of tell it's even this way because when you open it, it's, it's uh, formatted or laid out on the page in stanzas. Like we would have modern poetry or song lyrics. It's laid out in stanzas. And so that is one of the forms of literature that we will come across uh, in the Old Testament specifically. Now we also have uh, prophets, which um, especially in the Old Testament are warnings of judgment or hope for pro- or proclamation. But basically it's truths that people we're proclaiming to God's people in the world. Now, next we move on to what is probably most commonly known, at least in the Christian context, not as much outside of the Christian context, and that is the Gospels or the the greatest hits of the Bible, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these illustrate to us, they share with us the story of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I would like to note here that if you've never taken that leap and and tried to read through scripture, if it's really been daunting or you tried to get through it and and, and at least like me several times, you just get lost somewhere in like Leviticus or you know some of the, the big deepness of Exodus. And so I would invite you to look at one of the gospels. Start with one of the gospels. Gospel of Mark is going to be the shortest. It's going to be the most to the point. And it gets all the main ideas, the main points of Jesus' life. But if you're starting, that's a good place. John, the Gospel of John is also great because it kind of hits the main, most well-known stories of Jesus that you may have heard in other places throughout your life. So if you've never taken that leap before, this is your encouragement. Start with Mark or start with John. They're, They're at least the most easily accessible to start with. Now, next, after the Gospels, we find the epistles. And the word epistle literally translates to letter. 
And so these are letters from faith leaders to the communities and the churches around them in the area. So they're going to read a lot different than the other genres that we read. And after the epistles, the last big one I'd like to lift up is apocalyptic literature, most famously uh, known in pop culture and lifted up in the book of Revelation. And this is literature that is about visions of the end times, the future hope of the church, and God's ultimate victory. But that's a completely different genre than the others. And so if we try to read, say, apocalyptic literature like it's a gospel, we're going to be a little bit lost. And if we try to read a psalm like it's an epistle, like it's a letter, that's going to be very confusing for us too. So knowing that genre beforehand is going to be really helpful. And for most of us, uh, most Bible translations, they now include a cover page for each of the books, which includes that information in it. What kind of genre are you about to jump into? They'll say, the letters of Paul. Okay, you know you're about to read a letter. So it's very helpful. Now, the last bit of context I'd like to lift up is situation or history. And what I mean by that is the events the debates, the circumstances, the story, or the records of the people, places, and things that happened with which our writers in the Bible were living in. And so, for example, in the New Testament, it is helpful to know that early Christians were largely Jewish by practice, and that they were living under the rule of the Roman Empire. And this is important to know because when we read and hear that Paul is talking about false gods and purity laws, we know that those purity laws, I mean, are referring to Jewish practices, which they would have been practicing. And the false gods are referring to Roman gods, the multitude of gods that the Romans worshipped. Another example might be that we always hear that, we, that Christ died to free us from sin. Well, that, that uh, metaphor of slavery was one that was well known, that was felt, that was known in the Israelite people because we know that they were freed from Egypt and empire after empire had been under some sort of rule or version of slavery. And so this is something that would have related to them very well. This context this, of situation in history is helpful for us. And again, those are often included in our modern translations on a cover page to at least orientate us before we dive into scripture, before we read a given verse or book. Context and how we read scripture matters. So the last question, how do we read the Bible? Right? A lot of us uh, feel like we should have already known how to do this. Whether you were taught, you were not taught, or you're like me and forgets things, we might have forgotten or not really been sure how to read the Bible. It seems like it should be simple, right? You read it like anything else. No. So we have to actually know how to read the Bible, which is different than we read everything else. And so first, like I just said, start with the context. Orient yourself to the translation, to the genre, to the historical and situational events of that time. But next, go into it and assume you don't know anything. Like me. Or at least open it or approach it with an open mind. Because when we try to read scripture, like we already know what it's going to tell us, we're just talking to ourselves. And so we have to approach it with an open mind so we let scripture, we let God through scripture talk to us. Now, next, we have to reread things more than once. When you read through a scripture passage, you might have to read it at least once, like me, I rarely catch it the first time, or multiple times. It's sometimes helpful to stop and pray or reflect in between a reading of Scripture and then jump in again and notice the different things that jump out at you, something you missed 
the first time. Next, I would, I would invite you to ask these two questions whenever you read scripture. First, what did this mean to the original audience? And second, what does it mean for me today? Answering both of those questions will help us both to gain insight and perspective into what we are reading, but also to help us make sure that if those two are relatively the same, then I'm probably understanding this passage correctly. And lastly, do as we are doing today and we do every Sunday. Read scripture in community. Because when we do that, we see something that we hadn't seen before. We uh, are allowed to hear the collective experience of humanity and those present with us. It's great to study scripture by yourself, and I encourage you to do that, to have that personal time. But when we read scripture in community, we hear these hard truths that we probably don't want to hear. And so community allows us to have accountability, to have people beside us who will hold us accountable, who will speak to our lives and say, hey, listen, I see this in scripture and I see God working in you in this way. And so in these moments, that's when we're able to be transformed, when we're able to be brought closer to Jesus. So going back to our scripture from Romans today, we see that we are urged to support others, to humble ourselves, to make ourselves less so that others around us will be built up. And when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, he said that whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance, not one time, endurance, and through the encouragement of scriptures. When he says scriptures here, he's referring to the Old Testament because the New Testament didn't exist at that time. He's referring to what his people would have known, but we as readers today have Old and New Testament. And so when we read scriptures, we know that all of scripture speaks to us today, has the ability to be relevant for us today. The Bible is timeless. So why was scripture written? So that we might have hope. That in the failures of our sin and the darkness of our world, we might have hope for a future and for the future of humanity. And just as we might offer a hopeful friend to a, or a hopeful word to a friend or to a family member who is going through a hard time, God speaks a hopeful word to us when we read and engage and share in Scripture. A hopeful word that offers encouragement to act with the attitude of Christ. A hopeful word that allows us to glorify God in all that we are. A hopeful word that brings us as Christians together so that we may speak with one singular voice. A hopeful word that begs us to engage with it. A hopeful word that seems scary and complicated at times, but can speak to us the simplest of truths and a hopeful word that is written for all of us, that we might know the love of Jesus Christ for us, and in turn, that we might learn to love him back. Let us pray. Constant and loving God, our world is full of ups and downs and changes and hardships and challenges and truths that we maybe don't want to hear. God, today we need your encouragement to engage in your word, to engage in scripture, 
and often to admit that we don't understand what it is saying. Help us to ask for help, to be humble, to set aside our pride, and to help build others up when we can. That in your word, we might know your truth, your light, and how we are to be your people in the world. To this we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.